All right, well, good evening, friends. How are you? Good, I'm glad. Hey, if you have your Bibles, um, we'll be in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. If you don't, that's where we'll still be. But if you have your Bibles, you go ahead and turn there. Uh, as you turn there, just a quick intro. I'm Brian. Um, I'm, from, I'm from Southern California. It's really nice to not be there right now. Um, it gets really crowded, and you have a really pretty area. Like when you drive through, I remember driving through a road today, and it's just surrounded by trees, and I thought, we don't have these. I mean, it's all just kind of one city. So uh, I know you sit there and go, but it's cold here. Yeah, it is cold here, but it's weird. Like, I'm freezing. I put on like a ski jacket, and y'all are walking around with a bunch of sweatshirts. Like, I'm a wuss, so just be prepared. But my name is Brian. I'm from Southern California. I'm married. Um, my wife's name is Kelly. Uh, she couldn't be here. We're married almost 26 years. It'll be 26 years in July. I've got a 19-year-old and a 17 Well, thank you. Um, I have a 19-year-old boy and a 17-year-old boy. Um, and the ultimate thing about me is I just love Jesus. And I would say that there was a point in my life, and I've been doing vocational ministry for about 30 years, um, but I remember I'd been asked this question when I was about 19, I was in college, I was in a chapel service and the guy that was speaking asked this question, Hey, if when you get to heaven, um, imagine all that heaven is, but Jesus isn't there. Would you be bummed? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, I, I sat there. I'm glad that you, some of you guys are saying absolutely be bummed. I sat there thinking through how incredible heaven's going to be. I mean, everything that God is creating and the things we kind of have an idea about and but I really try to take those questions and really think through them and give an honest answer. Now, so I didn't say this out loud, but I just kind of kept it to myself. I was kind of like, you know what, God, I, I mean, I'd be bummed for a little bit, but I get the stuff, right? If I get the stuff, then I mean, I'll be okay, but I mean, I'd be bummed if you're not there first. And I, I, remember, I remember saying that thinking, well, look at your honesty. People will applaud that. And maybe they would have if I actually shared it. Now I share it all the time because that isn't heaven for me anymore. Like all that stuff, you said to go, but there'll be streets of gold. Isn't that weird? We're so excited about that. Like, what are we gonna do? Steal a block, put it in our house? It's like, oh, but think about it. God uses the thing that's most precious, most precious material for us on the planet is what God uses for pavement. Like, it's just not that impressive. Here's heaven for me now. And God has had to break me and mold me. And he's still in the process, guys. I can tell you, I used to sit in the seats that you do, not here, but the camp that I, that I over in California. I remember when I was 17, third row back where the pews angled, I remember sitting there. And that's the day that I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I'm going to throw out this date for just a second. I know it was August. I don't remember the day, but the, <laughs> the year was 1991. Shh. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, what the heck was that? Don't do that. I know I'm old. I feel it. Every time I, every time I get up, I grunt. So once you get to that age, you know it. If you stand up and go, oh yeah, you're starting to feel it. I remember the day. I remember when I stood up because I said, I want to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. But I used to think that everyone who stood up there and preached, man, they had their life together. No struggles. It was perfection until I became one of those guys. And friends, I want to tell you that I'm not up here because I figured the whole thing out. I'm up here because God has called me and gifted, hopefully, that I'll be able to share something with you. But I'm in process just like the rest of you. And he's teaching me things. And Okay, can I just share real honest? In the last week, um, I got some medical news on Thursday that uh, was kind of a bummer. Um, that last April I had to have a stitch put in my chest. And, and then I found out what caused it is this hereditary gene that my mom has passed on to me and I've had it since I was a baby, not knowing it. 
and there's no cure for that. Like it could happen again. And so on Thursday, I just, I mean, I drove home with my wife and I didn't say a word and she just knew. Like he just has to sit in this and she, but she'd encourage and then I had to leave the next day for another camp I was doing. I remember walking along and it was just me and Jesus on the, on the road and I was just calling out to him and, and I felt ashamed because I was afraid. You been there? I felt ashamed because if it's faith, like I'm supposed to be this pastor. I've got all this faith and I'm telling people to remind them how great God is and, and here I'm walking along, God, I'm so sorry that I'm, I'm afraid. And the doctor said, hey, I mean, you might, it might be like 70 or 80, like you'll be 70 or 80, you'll be fine. I've got a lot of patients that deal with this. But when you hear that you could, it means that also you might not. I remember it was the next day on a Saturday, I was spending time alone with the Lord in the Word. And I got to the book of Genesis, that's what our Bible reading plan is for our church. And I got to that part where Abraham just was told by God, you're gonna be a dad, he's 99. For the first time, you're gonna be a dad. Guys, that would terrify me. <laughs> it would ter- I'm, I'm almost 50, that would terrify me. Mom, I don't know if I can keep up. I made this statement though, and guys, I've read this before. But it's amazing how the Holy Spirit, when he wants to get your attention, he'll just bring it out of the scriptures. It was, that, it was that part in the passage where God says, is anything impossible for the Lord? And I wrote that in my journal and I said, God, would you forgive me? Not because I felt like he was mad at me, but I just wanted to be restored into deeper intimacy with him. And I just said, God, would you forgive me? Instead of looking at this the way that I should, here's, here's how I think I should be looking at it, God. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity for you to take me deeper into intimacy with you. When I say I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. God, I wanna thank you for an opportunity that I'm gonna meet some people because of this that I would never have met and pray that I can have an impact on these people with the gospel. God, I wanna thank you for an impact or for an opportunity. It's weird how God took one verse and changed a perspective Friends, I don't know what you're coming up here with, but I can tell you this, I promise every single one of us, we all have baggage. We all got something to deal with. There's something we're all afraid of. If I use this word, regret, if I, if I use that one word, regret, how many of you, by a show of hands, and not halfway Baptist, so I can get charismatic for just a second, if I say, how many of you have that regret? You can think of that one thing. If you could go back and change that one thing, you would. Can you think of it? Now do me a favor, look around the room, because here's what the enemy wants you to think. You're the only one. You're the only one, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, because aren't these the thoughts that pop in your head? Wait, you did that and you call yourself a Christian? You did that, you say you love Jesus. Do you actually think he loves you back because of that? Guys, there's something powerful that happens when you just get raw and real with God. And I confess that, I wrote it in my journal. Guys, there's just been this freedom. It doesn't mean that, there's, that fear doesn't still show up. Sure it does. But every single time you make the decision, I'm gonna live by faith. Because I wanna promise you this. Friends, if right now you don't see the good in it yet, it's because God's not done with it yet. If you don't see the good in it yet, it's because he's not done with it yet. You hang in there. Brian, if you knew how hard it was for me. I know, if I sat down eye to eye, need to knee with you, and if at some point you see me just kind of sitting around and I'm reading a book, just come over and interrupt. I'd love to hear your story. Not because I have all the answers, but I'll just be sitting around. 
Friends, I will tell you the same thing no matter what. If you come up and say, this is how hard it's been. Fair enough. So what are you going to do with it? Man, I want to walk with compassion. Absolutely. Grace, care. Absolutely. But friends, I will continue. I promise you over this week, and I will continue to point you to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and scorned in its shame. Friends, I promise you this, that God has lived out all of your tomorrows already. He's not wondering what he's going to do. He knows exactly what he's going to do because he's already done it. We're just catching up to what it is that he's already finished. Friends, I share that. I don't, and I, I was like, that's why I was debating. Do I share this, God? And I always want to be transparent. Not because it's like, oh, poor Brian. Guys, I'm so thankful that God has me. God's good. He's great. Nothing's changed in that. But what I hope that you hear is this. Hey, you're struggling. You can choose faith. But what's the other option? To just continue to live the way that everyone else in the world lives? I know that maybe for some of you are not followers of Jesus. Even if you were brought up in the church, it doesn't mean that you surrender your life to Jesus. And maybe you faked it for a really long time, but there's no surrender to the Lordship of Christ. I'm so glad that you're here. For those of you who aren't followers of Jesus and you're proud about it, that's great. Be proud about that if you need to. At least you're being honest about it. But for those of you who aren't, can I just ask you the question? Can I ask you, what are you doing any different than the rest of the world that doesn't know Jesus is doing? Like it feels like you're being rebellious and you can do your own thing. No one's gonna tell me what to do, but everyone really falls into something. Followers of Jesus, I just saw a statistic that came out. It's a little terrifying, not terrifying. It's actually an opportunity. If you really look at those who are really truly following after Jesus, the population, what percentage of the population in our, in our nation is following Christ? 4%, 4%. Oh, we're losing. Oh, no, no, it's already been won. Jesus already won. It's like, well, how could there be such a positive thing? Because, guys, isn't it true that light shines brightest in the darkest? So long as we're willing to say, God, would you use me? I want to reflect the love of Jesus. I want to reflect the light of Christ. So I don't look as like, oh, we're going to get jacked. Guys, Jesus already jacked up the enemy at the cross, and he came back from the dead. Church, we're unstoppable. But what I'm going to ask for you to do is in this next, the next few days, this whole weekend, whether you come from a place and you don't have a relationship with Jesus or you do, will you give God a weekend? Give him a weekend. For those who say, I don't like talking about the spiritual stuff. I, well, why not? Give him a weekend. When are you going to lose for a weekend? Because the beauty of it is I'm convinced of this. You give God a weekend. Oh, man, he's going to do something. And somebody say, I'm not going to give him a weekend. Oh, I'm so thankful. He's still the hound of heaven. And he won't relent. But give him a weekend. That means engage. You get into your, into your cabin discussion times, engage, ask the questions, answer questions, say, I don't get this, or I'm struggling, or at least be that raw and real, and you watch God. I promise you this, he'll show up and do something. Can we pray? I wasn't even part of the message, but I have a mic, so let's just get going, hey? Can we pray? Let's pray together. Father, we pause before we speak to you, for you are God. Forgive us for how often we just jump flippantly into telling you what you should do rather than just submitting to your lordship first and foremost, to give you praise and honor and worship. And so we thank you for your goodness and your greatness. We thank you for your love and 
We thank you for forgiveness and mercy. We thank you that you have wrath, that you're just. We thank you for who you truly are. I pray, God, by your mercy, would you meet us tonight in a powerful way as we open up your word for the next few moments. Would you speak as only you can? Would you say something, God, that we need to hear? Would you confront us? Would you encourage us? Whatever is necessary, would you convict us to make us look like Jesus? God, thank you that you'll have your way. Thank you that no one can thwart your plans. God, in this time, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. amen. Friends, the book of Ecclesiastes is pretty much the journal of Solomon. Solomon, guys, he had everything. I mean, guys, he had all the money. He had all the experiences. He has the most wise person on the planet. And so I love that it's in here because it just kind of makes him feel like, hey, this is kind of this normal guy and I'm thankful that he's honest. That's the part that I wish that we as followers of Jesus would learn and glean from. Do you ever find yourself with the pressure that someone asks you how you're doing and you ever notice how often you ask somebody that question and yet their answer is always, fine, good, great. Isn't it amazing? That's usually the answer. What would happen if we got real and raw and honest about how we're really doing? doesn't mean that every day we're going to have a struggle, but... What if we said, hey, I'm really struggling today? Then we encourage one another in the moment. I love this because it shows a guy who's trying to work out this whole thing of life. In Ecclesiastes chapter one, starting in verse two, he says this, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That word vanity means it lacks value. It also means this, in the Hebrew, it means it's a breath, a vapor, or a mist. I was kind of sitting, sitting there going, okay, so how can I explain that? Like all of life is a mist, Guys, has anyone ever seen one of those slow motion videos of someone sneezing? <laughs> no, I don't have it because I would vomit on the stage. Like any, any mucus, I'm like, okay, I can't handle that. But if you, if you never have, at some point, if, you just, <laughs> if you're that bored, then fine, it's just everything that comes out, we just don't picture it, but it is absolutely horrifying. <laughs> and then when you hear that on an airplane, like flying out here, and you're hearing someone in the back, not that far back, just, ah, chill. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's on my neck. <laughs> but then it's gone, right? Just like that. And we think that this whole life is so long, but compared to eternity, it's a mist. It's a vapor. That's what Solomon's saying here. Even James wrote this in James chapter 4, verse 14. He says, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And then listen to what it is that Solomon says as he continues into verse three down to verse 11. He says this. He says, what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes, a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. What has been done is what will be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said? See, this is, a new, this is new. It has been already in the ages before us. There's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to come among those who come after. Guys, doesn't Solomon seem like he's kind of a killjoy? He's just saying this, hey, life, it just keeps happening. The wind blows, it goes just on this little path, it just keeps doing the same thing. 
Rains fall, rivers get bigger, all those rivers go into the sea, but the sea is never full. The eyes see things, but you're never satisfied. You hear things, but you're never completely satisfied. Guys, how do I know that this is true? Guys, think about it. Do you realize that there are people who, who get paid a lot of money to make sure they put together these algorithms to make sure that we are on these things as much as possible? Just to watch, guys, think about it. Guys, and this is coming from a dude. I used to have all the social media things because I felt like I was supposed to. And I called it this. I've got to do this because I got to reach people. Can I be honest? The reason I wanted it is so I felt validated as a human. I felt like I was important if people would double tap and like something that I posted. But did you ever find, did you ever find yourself doing this? And Kendall kind of mentioned it in the, in the worship time. Do you ever find yourself comparing yourself with the person or the thing that you're looking at and watching? And don't you find yourself comparing yourself to the person? Do you realize that that person is now comparing their real life to the fake life they just posted, wishing they could be more like that? So what we do is we compare ourselves with things that aren't even real. And we just fall into the algorithms. Guys, I had it all, I had all of it. I never understood Twitter or whatever it's called, X now. That's weird, but it's like X. But back in the day, it's like you had 160 characters and then you can nail it your whole life. Sum it up. And Facebook, when that was kind of a popular thing, and then Instagram. And I remember it was always, I would post things and I would use it for ministry. I would go off and I'm, I'm posting things about where I'm preaching. And I would take a picture from like the back of the room. Never in the front, just the back, and I would, I would, I would angle it so it looked like what? It looked like there's like 25,000 people and there were 70. But I just get that perfect angle and then, I would, and then I'd post something, I'd, I'd post something underneath the picture, it's like, oh, blessed to be here. Oh, blessed to be here. And then all of a sudden I would wait for at least 100 likes because if I got 100, then I felt like I was validated. I feel like that's nothing. Do you know what people get? I know. And isn't that so sad that you're actually living for the approval of people rather than the applause of heaven? God convicted me one day. It was in my quiet time. I was gonna read it if I can find it real quick. If you have your Bibles, in Romans chapter two, this is quiet time, this was years ago. This is where God kind of met me and then confronted me. And if you've never felt convicted and terrified before God, I'm not sure that you're meeting with him. He confronted me because he's not afraid of these things. In Romans chapter two, at the end of verse 29, this is how it's read. His praise is not from man, but from God. And I remember reading that and going, why, why, why would God give us his praise? Not worth it. Like, this is not that I'm done. Guys, in that moment, I felt like God convicted me. He said, stop using my people for your quick fix of pleasure. I got rid of it all. And I'm alive. Like, my brain works. Probably better. My heart still pumps. Isn't it amazing I would post things about what I was doing, quote unquote, for the Lord, and yet the scriptures say, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. But I let every other person know in the name of ministry, really it was just for the name of me. It was an ego stroke for me. Guys, we fall into the exact same thing. It's over and over and over. You go to, like the next day, same thing. Next day, same thing. Guys, when, I, when he convicted me, it was time to let it go. And I'm so thankful that he did. But I remember I shared this about a month ago and a, a, a youth volunteer walked up to me and she said, you know what my students said after you said, like you got rid of it all? She said, what does he do all day? <laughs> I was like, well, that's pretty telling about your student. And I said, you know what I do? I live. You say, well, what do you do? Like, what's exciting? I'm not talking about being exciting. I live. Like, I chat with my wife. 
There's this dog, we have a, we have a golden doodle at home, a red-headed golden doodle. Oh, in the evening, well, the morning, I like morning, Bella. I don't like evening, Bella. So I've, I just go out and throw a ball for her. You're like, that's so boring. More boring than this? Over and over and over, the same thing over and over. Isn't that what it sounds like so far? It's just repetitious over and over and over and there's no meaning to it. He's going, what's the point of it all? And then we start to go and he's like, okay, I'm gonna figure this all out by wisdom. Goes to verse 12. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by, by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity. And then he uses this phrase, a striving after wind. What is crooked cannot be made straight. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said in my heart, I have acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who were over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is but a striving after wind, chasing wind. Guys, have you ever been that bored? I don't think they make an app for that. Have you ever been that bored? It's like, guys, what do you want to do? Let's go chase some wind. Like it's windy outside, let's just go for it. And you just run after. Because if you have, you need a life. But it's like, that just seems like there's, there's nothing to it, right? There's, like, how do you catch wind? You don't. Has anyone, okay, has any ever walked through a spider web? Like at night? You ever notice what you look like to everyone else when you do that? He's kind of walking along, just kind of lose it. At least there's, a, at least there's something there. Like maybe the, the spider, I remember I was walking along, me and a buddy were walking along, and I was walking, I was gonna kind of walk through this little hallway outside, and he stopped me, he says, wait, I've seen something here before, and he pulls out this flashlight, no joke. There's this spider web covering, covering the whole hallway, and this massive spider right in the middle of it. And all I thought is like, if I walked through that, he would have eaten me. Like I would just say, and you don't, it's like once you go through it, don't you feel like you just feel a spider going through it? And somebody goes, I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight, but I'm not in your room, so it's okay. So <laughs> it's that terrifying moment, but at least it woke you up. Here's, here's Psalm saying, all this stuff, all these experiences, it's like chasing after wind. So what do we do? It seems like hopeless, doesn't it? No. Because then we have Jesus. In, in, in Matthew chapter 11, the first part of verse 28 says this. He just says three words, come to me. Come to me. That's it, just come to me. But let me ask you this question of speaking to followers of Jesus. Is he that impressive? Like think through it. Is he that impressive where you would give up everything to be with him? Do we understand the value of the one who has invited us? Paul wrote this to a bunch of Christians in Colossians chapter one, starting in verse 15. He says, he, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. That word firstborn, there's two key definitions to that. The first one means it's pre, he's preexistent. The second one means this, that he's unique in essence, that there is nothing and no one like Jesus. So he's the firstborn, he's the preexistent one. He's the, he's the essence of all creation, for by Jesus, by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and visible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things were created by him and what? 
for him. Guys, I use these analogies all the time because just, and I remind myself of it often. Guys, he's created everything, this universe. Guys, do you realize the Milky Way galaxy is one of about, I don't know, hundreds of billions of galaxies in the known universe? And each of those hundreds of billions of galaxies all have hundreds of billions of stars in each of them. And the Bible tells us this, that God is the one who puts all the stars exactly where he wants them, and he knows them and calls them out by name. Guys, I'll meet people, I can't remember their name. Like seven. Seven people, he's like, I know that name. I know that star's name. And it's not just a number. That's number 71. Guys, our Milky Way galaxy is about 120,000 light years wide. That's the one that we live in. That means you go 186,000 miles per second for 120,000 years, and you'll get from one end to the other. Why would God make it so big? Because he can. When you start reading the Bible, it says that God measures the universe with the span of his hand, and he looks at this universe that's ever expanding, and he looks at it, takes his hand, and goes, it's like that big. The Bible tells us that out of the breath of God come all the starry hosts. That means when God exhaled, when Jesus exhaled, he exhaled what? The sun. That's impressive. You can fit 1.3 million earths inside the sun. It's 93 million miles. So tomorrow, and I think it's supposed to be Sunday tomorrow, when that sun comes up and you're looking at it, realize that that light is traveling at 186,000 miles per second from 93 million miles away. And Jesus said, let there be. We're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, going around the sun at 66,000 miles an hour, and then the sun and the nine planets, yeah, I'm keeping Pluto in, the sun and the nine planets are going around the nucleus of the Milky Way galaxy at 540,000 miles an hour. And we sit there and go, okay, I don't understand it. I don't either. But isn't it in this passage when you sit there and goes, and he, hold, and, I'm sorry, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Why do we not just veer off and fly off into the universe? Because Jesus holds all things together. Guys, all that's happening right now. There's the universe. Here's this earth that's spinning and going. We're just going crazy. It's like, dang, we're just hoping no crash. Honestly, what, what, do you, what makes us think we're in control of anything? And isn't it weird how often we'll look at God and say, you need to step it up. You need to do better at your job. And then you can't even keep your room clean. <laughs> so maybe God's sitting there going, really? I have the whole universe takes him no effort. We don't veer off because he doesn't want us to. And he's like, just pick up your socks. Pick up your socks before you tell me how to be God. Then everything on the planet, man, that's crazy. Guys, just look at, guys, isn't it amazing like all the things that God's, God creates, hundreds of different types of bananas. I thought there were two like organic and non-organic, like that's all I thought there were. <laughs> Dozens of different types of tomatoes. I'm like, what the heck? Seriously, why do it? Because he's creative. For those of you that are creative, for those of you that love the arts, the reason you are creative and love the arts is because you have a God who's the most creative being on the planet. And you're creating his image. Guys, that God, that God made that squirrel and then the hawk that eats it. You're like, I don't like this. <laughs> You're like, I don't like that part. But God made it. I know that's the squirrel. It's like, oh, that's cute. And that's his walking lunch. <laughs> like, you think through it. 
Guys, do you realize, like your eye, your eye, to see it 526 megapixels. 526 megapixels. But we want, we want that phone that has the new 100 megapixel camera. And isn't it amazing that we know that there are engineers who put that all together and there's people and robots to put these things together so you can have that 100 megapixel camera. But when it comes to our eyeball, we actually have people with the audacity to say, it just happened. Why? Because it's easier to make sure that we don't have a God that we have to worship because we don't want to be told what to do because we like to be our own God. It's always been that way, friend. 526 megapixels? Isn't God cute? It's like, think about it. I need that new phone. And so you order it on the phone that already works? God's like, 100 megapixels, that's cute. Guys, do you realize that eagles can see two miles away? Clear as day. Two miles away. Like some little rabbit's just running around. He's like, got it. Rabbit's having a great day, but two miles away, he's like, ah, <laughs> Two miles. So he said, there go, I bet I could outrun him. He's got two miles to figure out what he's going to do. Like the whole time, he said, if he goes left, I'm going to bank left. If he goes right, I'll bank right. If he goes into a hole, I'll just keep flying around from two miles away. Guys, you realize the grip strength of an eagle is 10 times stronger than that of a human? You ever wonder why animals will actually run from us? Because they're stronger, faster, and better than us. And then he made the hippo. You ever wonder if he sneezed on that one? He's like, I just want to, nope, just call that a hippo. You ever played Hungry Hungry Hippo? Ever play that game? Isn't it weird? Like, that's how we had fun back in the day. Oh, it's old people. We didn't have phones and apps. It's like, guys, come on, let's just get some marbles. We'll get some, <laughs> we'll get some hippo heads. We'll just stick them on there and then this go, go. That's it. Until all the marbles. And we're like, I love, I love hippos. Until we know and realize that there are more people who are mauled to death by hippos every year than by lions. Right? You ever notice when a hippo opens their mouth, they've got these massive teeth? There's a reason. It's to crush our skull. Why do we think they're so cute? Because we played a game. And then the Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Ladies, real quick, can you hear that? You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Who you compare yourself to because they look a certain way or sound a certain way or dress a certain way or they have something that you don't. God is sitting there going, at no point have I ever made a mistake in creating. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Gentlemen, the same thing for you. Guys, comparison is death. It's death to our souls and it keeps us from living the life that God has called us and designed us to live. Gentlemen, you're created in the image of God. Ladies, you're created in the image of God. So when the Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made, when you look into the mirror, realize that you're looking at the what? The miraculous work of God. Guys, right now you have about 30 trillion cells in your body. And every three seconds, 50,000 of them will die off and be replaced by 50,000 new ones. And you're not doing a thing. You're just sitting there. Somebody like, I could feel it. <laughs> I felt that. I felt it. You didn't feel it, liar. 
every three seconds, 50,000 die off and are replaced by 50,000 new ones. You realize that every single one of those cells, all 30 trillion of those cells, there's this thing called DNA, it's this strand. If you take it and stretch it out, and it's this blueprint of who you are and what you'll be like, what you'll look like, like how tall you'll be, how short you'll be, how much hair you'll have, or follically challenged you'll be. It's like, whatever it is. It's like God typing out this blueprint, this computer code of what you'll be like. Each cell has one that's about six inches in length if you were to take it out and stretch it. If I took all the DNA out of my body and tied it end to end, what a heck of a, what a, heck of a task that would be. But if I did, that's enough DNA to go from here to the moon and back 178,000 times. And so when the Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, guys, you have enough blood vessels in your body to go around the earth four times. That's 100,000 miles. You're creating the image of God. That God says, come to me. There's no other invitation that means more than that. Come to me. And he goes on with the passage. He goes on, go back into Matthew chapter 11, start 28. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden by a show of hands. And this is again, not Baptist, but charismatic. Here we go. The word labor. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. In the Greek, the word labor means this. To be tired, to grow weary, here's it, to lose heart, to be discouraged. Does that describe anyone here tonight? Okay. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. The phrase heavy laden means to be burdened or to be loaded down. Does anybody feel like you're overburdened and like kept down? Anybody? And Jesus says, you're my audience. He says, I'm not looking for the ones who, I'm not looking for the ones who've been perfected because they're not real. I'm looking for those who are weary and heavy laden and what's he promised? I'll give you rest. That word rest is probably better translated as relief. Guys, when you hear that word relief, don't you just kind of go, oh, really? You promise? Because God, this has been going on so long. And I've tried everything, and I've scrolled through, and I found all these people that tell me this is what it is, and I try it, and nothing changes. It's the same old, same old, same old. It's monotonous, it never changes. It's over and over and over, and Jesus just says, come to me. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest or relief for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Guys, that's the invitation of the God of the universe who spoke everything into existence. Guys, when we look at the universe, we look at the earth, we look at creation, but also realize that this God is the one who created the concept of wisdom and knowledge. He created joy. Friends, he created humor and laughter. He created taste buds. I'm really thankful for those. I mean, if it's something that's good. If it's not, I'm like, why God? <laughs> Guys, you know, he didn't have to do that. He could have just made it so he just sticks up. I'm done, I get fed, I'm, I'm great. Or taste, everything tastes the same. But he gives you taste buds, why? Because he's a good, good father. Why create laughter? If I don't laugh enough today, will I die like breathing? No, but isn't it just fun to laugh? For the first time you say, Brian, if I give my life to Jesus, like you're saying, you know what's gonna happen? No more joy, no more laughter. Really, the one who created it all? The one who created it all, you're not gonna have any, the funniest being in the universe is God. If he created the concept of humor and laughter, don't you think he's mastered it? 
And then for those that say, no, 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 I'll ultimate killjoy, I won't have any joy. Are you sure that you just haven't settled? Guys, you go to a one-year-old birthday party, paparazzi show up, right? It's called the family. <laughs> everyone has a phone, everyone's taking a video. Shows up, kid's got a new outfit. Kid has no clue what's going on. Just has a new outfit, everyone's bringing gifts. Oh, aren't you so cute, aren't you so cute? They don't do that for me when I'm 49 on my birthday parties. They don't walk in going, oh, you're so cute, you're so cute. They're like, oh, good night. <laughs> you're still alive? <laughs> and then all of a sudden the kid is like half naked because it's cake time. Put him on a high chair half naked in front of everyone's cameras. Does that not sound like a nightmare? They don't do that on my birthday. And I'm okay with that. And all of a sudden, you just put the case like a grenade. Oh, leave it there. Kid's just sitting there half naked looking around. Everyone's got the cameras. Are you doing video? I'm doing, you doing video? I'm doing camera. I'm doing pictures. Do video. Shut up. Do video. He's like, no one's telling him what to do. Just touches it like, that is so cute. He touched food with a finger. It's so cute. All of a sudden, he kind of dips it in. He's like, oh. And all of a sudden, it comes to his mouth. Remember? You ever been to one? And he tastes it. I have been enlightened. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's a couple fingers. And it's a handful. Like, yeah. And then just bam. And just puts his face down on that sucker. Then it's time to open the presents. In case you ever notice the kid will play with paper more than the present. It's like the paper comes off, they're like, I like this, it makes noise. They're like, what about the gift? I don't want that. <laughs> the box is more impressive than what was in it. Guys, if I put a $100 bill and a can of soup down in front of a one-year-old, what do you think they'll pick? Soup. soup, absolutely, why? Well, it's a piece of paper, I'll play with it for a second, but it doesn't make as much noise. But the can of soup, man, you can pound that sucker. <laughs> You can roll it, you can throw it at mom, she freaks out, <laughs> right? Guys, I'll put a, I'll, I will gently push a one-year-old out of the way to get that $100 bill, because I know the value of it. So my question is this, how many of you settle for a can of soup when God wants to give you something much more impressive? And you actually call your can of soup impressive and Jesus is like, really? You've settled for something that you think is impressive. It's shiny and it's cute, but it's not worth it. Isn't Solomon saying this? He said, I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceived that this also is a striving after wind. It's a waste. A couple questions as we close. Are you tired of feeling like you're striving after wind? Like, what am I living for? What am I doing? Next question is this. Do you ever feel overwhelmed and overburdened? I wanna promise you this, that the God who created everything is the one who knows, as Kendall brought up, is this idea of abundant life. And I looked, actually looked up the word abundant life before, and it's like this life that's supposed to be beyond our imagination. Does that mean we're always gonna be hurrying and going crazy in every experience that we have? No, because we have eternity for all the experiences. We're actually gonna learn to walk life the way that Jesus did, learn his rhythms, because he is the author of abundant life. There are times where part of abundant life is to sit and do nothing, to rest. That's not impressive. Oh, but it's good for your soul. Last analogy, guys, you ever gone to a, you ever had to go, go to a funeral or you've gone to a cemetery 
Has anyone, like if you're waiting for the cemetery afterwards, maybe you're walking through, I don't know, guys, do you guys have tombstones? We have like these flat epitaphs. It's like kind of a tombstone, but underground so they can just mow over it. I like it out here because I've seen like these beautiful big tombstones, but there's something that's consistent in both of those. There's a birth date, right? And then there's a death date. Has anyone ever walked around just doing the math? You'll get along, it's like, oh, 71. Oh, wow, good. 42, ooh. 86, wow. Seven months. And then you sit there and go, it's not supposed to be like that. You ever feel like that? You ever wonder why we as humans think that, but animals don't do that? Isn't it amazing there's a birth date and there's a death date and there's this little dash in the middle. You know what that dash is? Your whole life. Your whole life is supposed to be summed up in that dash. Every thought, every idea, every feeling, every experience, every mountaintop victory, every valley defeat, every moment of shame, every moment of freedom, every single experience is wrapped up in a dash. But can I ask you this question? What's your dash full of? Jesus wants us to experience abundant life. Toward that dash, it's a mist compared to eternity. Oh, but I can look back on my days, one day, and say, God, what a ride. What a ride. That's what I want on the epitaph of my tombstone. My name, start date, end date, little dash. And underneath, what a ride. And you're standing on my face. (laughs) Friends, will your dash be filled with, because for some of you, this, this is it. And in this is comparison, (laughs) deceit, lies. Brian, there's good things we can use it for, absolutely, unless we're used by it. Guys, what's the dash gonna be filled with? Can I pray for us? Father, I thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth and to confront us. Jesus, I thank you that you came that we'd have life and life to the full. You gave us purpose and meaning and value. You came up with the concepts of it that we're not just existing unless we've settled for it. God, I thank you that you came, Jesus, you came to give us life and life to the full. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do a work this weekend that makes the book of Acts look tame that you would leave us amazed with how it is that you change each and every single one of us. And as you do, God, to you be all the praise, all the glory and all the honor for you alone are worthy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone who agrees says, amen. Amen. Love you all more than you know, friends.